Welcome indeed to our number two of the Mark Mosey Show. Let's continue our NFL recap show here on a Monday, getting you ready for Super Bowl 58. This guy does a great job. He covered the Falcons all season long up there in Atlanta. And he's my good friend, Luke Hendrick. And I know he used to work there at News 13 in Orlando. Luke, how you doing today, buddy? I'm good, man. It's always good to be on the air with you. Thank you for having me as always. Yeah, man. All right, let's start with this. What was the bigger choke, Baltimore or Detroit yesterday? And there's no wrong answers. Uh, I, Lamar Jackson? Like, I'm not going to go Baltimore in full. I just might say Lamar Jackson. And I say that as a guy who was born in Louisville, huge fan of what Lamar Jackson's done. As a Steelers fan, it's tough to say, but um, the guy's been fantastic. He's going to win his second MVP. But that, to me, was just it, – it fell flat. It fell flat. And we can point to a lot of different things. We can point to the game plan. We can point to the fact that their running backs had just six carries for the number one rush offense in football. The fact that Lamar tried to win from the pocket. And, yeah, he did have some scrambles. And I think the split was 37 pass plays to 16 rush attempts. But a lot of the runs that he had were, um, you know, on dropbacks. You know, they weren't a ton of design runs. He had the one early. But, you know, to me it was just – that was an opportunity for Lamar to take a step forward, whether you want to call it reputation, um, you know, in terms of proving people wrong. And I think he played, and the game plan was to try and do that, to try and win from the pocket and didn't lean into what he did best. And I thought it was, you know, a completely flat performance on his end. The defense was fantastic. They kept him in that game. But, look, if we're going to roast Josh Allen – for playing a much better game against yes. that Kansas City defense, who is phenomenal. we got to do the same to Lamar Jackson, who is the MVP of the league, who is a top five quarterback. You have to hold him accountable, too. And, you know, the game plan wasn't good, but you can also put that in Lamar and say, hey, go to Todd Munkin, go to Harbaugh. Why are we not running the ball? Why are we not doing what we do best? And there was just no no finesse to it. You know, the Lions choked out wasn't great. You know, it wasn't. It, you know, but you expect San Francisco to do that. They did it the week before mm. in a much smaller scale against Green Bay. But, but San Francisco's done that, and they've proven they can do that, and they were at home. That, that to me, was, um, you know, if you're asking bigger choke job, wasn't either team. It was Lamar Jackson. What if I told you last Thursday, hey, the Chiefs will go to Baltimore, they'll score 17 points, and don't score in the second half. What would you have told me then? I told you they have Patrick Mahomes, and there's probably a chance that they'll win. Probably not, but anything with that guy is possible. And with that defense, I mean, we they were missing their spy, Willie Gay. They have a young secondary who went from basically in every statistical category near worst to near first in a year. It's credit to the job Steve Spagnuolo's done, but look, everything was there for Baltimore to win that game. Kansas City stalling in the second half because of Baltimore's defense. They forced them off the field. The Ravens had the time of possession advantage in that second half. They had the opportunities. It was, to me, the poor game plan, the, the critical mistakes, and, you know, just a lot of undisciplined, unnecessary penalties. You know, some helmet-to-helmet hits, um, you know, some tauntings, just complete lack of focus, complete lack of discipline, I put some of that on John Harbaugh, and you just saw you cannot make that many mistakes and beat a team that has Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, 
and see Spagnola and that defense on the other side. You're just not. When Flowers dives to the end zone, are you like everyone in America? You're like, okay, touchdown, we got a ball game. I thought the, the initial thought was, oh, my God, the Chiefs this time around are on the right end of a touchback. You know, like, yeah, you think, okay, it's a bang-bang play. He's probably in. But, you know, you can say they get lucky. That was a great play by Snead to punch that ball out. It's nuts. And look, this is, this is, the, this is the gripe that we got with the Patriots for some years. Oh, they just get lucky. We know what? Really good teams, great teams, make their own luck. And they were able to cash in on their opportunities. They were able to control the game after that. Baltimore had their opportunities. Baltimore had their opportunities, and they didn't capitalize on them. Kansas City did. All right. Taunting, fumble, and then hurts his hand on the sideline. That was a trifecta, buddy, by Flowers. I, I was amazed. Oh. It was amazing. I, I don't know. The taunting? Okay, I get it. Kelsey is taunting earlier in the game. But, like, you're down 10 points. The season's on the line, and you're taunting after a catch. I was I was dumbfounded by the Ravens. And I agree with you, Luke. I blame John Harbaugh and this coaching staff. They were unprofessional as a football team yesterday. I'm going with that term. How about you? Yeah, I think that's a really good way to say it. You know, I've seen John Harbaugh as a Steelers fan, as a guy that sees them twice in that division. Mm. Baltimore typically has better personnel, a better roster. And you could say, you know, oh, man, John Harbaugh, really great coach. You know, sometimes it's they got a coaching advantage in that game. Until you get to the game, and there are times where John Harbaugh overthinks things, and that was the that was the scene yesterday. You know, some of these undisciplined penalties, you know, you put it back on coaching, but you put it back on these guys too. You know, Zay Flowers is a rookie. That's that's something he's going to learn from, and it's something that he's going to get roasted for, absolutely. But Jadavian Clowney going high—that's that's a ten-year vet, yeah, a former number one overall pick going high like that. I mean, come on. I, you know, know, some of this is definitely on John, John Harbaugh, but some of this is just on the players. Not being ready for the moment, not being focused, letting their emotions get the best of them. <laughs> I actually thought it was funny. You know, those penalties happened right after Terrell Suggs came out and juiced up the crowd. So it was like, <laughs> oh, it was kind of counterproductive, getting that much energy in the building. But, you know, they just were not mature enough. To handle that game yesterday. No, and that's not. That's not a. That's not a. That they're not a mature team. It's not. You know, but you know, not leaning into what you do well. Number one, rush offense. Very few design runs for Lamar. I know you were on your third string running backs and everything, but Justice Hill and Gus Edwards have had good seasons. Have been more than productive for you for a few years now, and just not to attempt it and can try and control the line of scrimmage and to give your quarterback a chance and to keep the defense honest, you can say that's on Todd Munkin. You can say it's on Lamar Jackson. I'll put some of the blame on him. But the game plan for John Harden to allow that, he absolutely deserves criticism. Still a great coach. Still a guy that knows what he's doing, is capable of getting his team to the playoffs and winning a Super Bowl. We've seen that. Getting two Super Bowls, absolutely. Uh, but right now, that, that was their best chance and maybe they'll be back next year. As long as you got eight playing quarterback, you got a pretty good chance. But you can't count on them being in this spot year after year. Not in that division, not in that conference. I, I can't get over the, like you said, not running the football. And then it's like, it's the third quarter, and they're playing this two-minute drill. Every play Lamar's in shotgun, 
Then he's, he's scrambling backwards five yards, then tries to do hero ball, throwing the ball. It was ridiculous. It was. Dude, I was so angry, and I don't even like Baltimore, and I was just so frustrated by that performance. I literally, the, the second game, I literally worked on my taxes to try to calm down as a play, as a person. <laughs> it's, it's a true story. What I did yesterday. You know you got you know you got problems. Taxes are going to calm you down. I'm like angry. I'm still angry. You know what it is? It's like my dad calls me up. He's like, it's pressure, Mark. It was the pressure. It, it's not week five. It's not week twelve. Whole country's watching. You just got to do it, and they they couldn't get it done. And yeah, and, and I just I I just thought too. You know, you get on all these talk shows and you just conversations and it's timeless just all this stuff about you know, predominantly black quarterbacks that are athletic and can run and it's oh they can't win from the pocket you know we've heard this with lamar jackson with jalen hurts mm. well you know what the eagles did last year in the super bowl they leaned into what jalen hurts does he had three rushing touchdowns he was phenomenal in that game yeah they were going with design runs and you know what he also did really well in that game too threw from the pocket was really good down the field executing plays of Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. They leaned into what he does really well, and there's no shot at that. There are a ton of quarterbacks in this league that would love to have that type of athletic ability. It is not a burden on you. You look across the league right now, teams are winning, not having quarterbacks with design runability you know, consistently, but mobility is an absolute game-breaking factor to have a quarterback. Look at Patrick Mahomes extending plays these last couple games in the playoffs when they need it most. Look at Brock Purdy yesterday. Yeah. 49 rush yards in the second half. Had some huge runs on third downs to keep drive alive, to keep scoring opportunities. It's not a bad thing to run. It's not a bad thing to be a running quarterback. It's just sometimes, yeah, you do have to win from the pocket. you got to beat teams with your arm. That game yesterday... I think that, you know, Lamar dropping back at the rate he did in shotgun, I thought was a disservice to him. I thought it was a disservice to his game. And you know what? Lean into what he does well. Work off of that ground game. And they just did not do that. Is Travis Kelsey the greatest man right now where he's got Taylor Swift, he's going to the Hall of Fame, he now has more postseason receptions than Jerry Rice and he's going for his third ring. He's the man, right? Right now in sports. Let's let's have a conversation about Travis Kelsey because things are good for him right now. Things are very good for him. Has yeah. a chance to win his third ring, going to the Hall of Fame, dating Miss Americana. Yes. Who's going to be flying from Japan to the concert or to the Super Bowl? We're all trying to figure that out. But let's also talk about the title on the other side because we have Miss Americana representing the Chiefs. Uh-oh. I think people realize that we got Miss Universe representing the 49ers. I believe is Christian McCaffrey's girlfriend. Oh, really? Wife or fiance? I believe. Isn't that one? Yeah. So we got some. We got some well-established female stars going to be in attendance for this game, <laughs> supporting their. So let's let's talk about that. We got star power in the stands here. Okay. Uh, like Usher's the third biggest name. Yeah, I know. At the Super Bowl performance. That's a great point. And I'm excited for Usher. But yeah, I look, I'm sorry, Miss America. Or what'd you say? She's Miss Universe? What is she? What'd I believe you... it's Miss Universe or something yeah, along those lines. Yeah. 
I don't know. The female population, that woman's a bum. She's not Taylor Swift. I'm sorry. It's not. Hey, t- no, hey your word's <laughs> not mine. Look, Taylor Swift, I think it's. Look, and the people that, like, roll their eyes at it, like, it's pretty cool. Like, it's really cool to see, you know, an icon of her status. You know, she is the star of our era. Yeah. Coming to the NFL, dating an NFL player. Bringing an audience with her, people being attracted to it. And I get it. You don't want to see her on every play and everything. Neither does she because she yelled on the broadcast to stop showing her. But it's just cool. It's cool to see. It's fun. It brings new eyes to the sport. I think it's great, but um, I'm not going to let it detract me from the game. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to let it detract me that, you know, oh, Travis Kelsey's only famous because he's dating Taylor Swift. No. no, he's gotten a bump from dating her for sure. No, <laughs> for he, sure. Look. But he's. He's great. Best tight end maybe that's ever played. Yeah. In these last two weeks, he was awesome. He really was. Fantastic. Uh, How about in the middle of the season when it was? She's a distraction. People were calling her the Chiefs Yoko Ono. Yeah. <laughs> Yoko Ono. Completely. Did you see the totally. video where they were on the field yesterday? And then, like, I know you did. You love it. Where, so he's like, he's like holding on to her, right? And he's celebrating. Yeah. And then when he saw his brother. There's kind of this moment, and I give her credit. She kind of went to the back, you know. She kind of went away so he can embrace this moment with his brother. Like it's very her fast. awareness level on this stuff is fantastic. It She'd is. have a 99 rating and awareness on Matt if they put her in the game. She gets it because she she's not the wife yet. She's just the girlfriend. Even though she's Taylor Swift, you're not my wife. You you might not be here in six months. But that brother's always going to be there, and that's what I took out you know, of that video. It's and I thought I thought the brother stuff was cool, and I thought it, it was funny, like explaining the Bills Chief stuff, you know, with Jason Kelsey last yeah. week, because you know I have a girlfriend that's a Swifty, goes to her concerts, loves her, and everything, and thinks it's cool, and you know makes the jokes. I root for Taylor Swift's boyfriend's team, you know, whatever. Even though I'm a Steelers fan, she loves doing that with me. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I thought it was cool. I was like, oh, like, this is hilarious. Like, Taylor Swift at the game, they're showing her, whatever. And then here comes Travis's brother shirtless, and she's going, wait, what? Mm -hmm. Like, why why would he go shirtless? Why would he take his shirt off and scream? And I was like, why why wouldn't he? And I'm like, oh, we are two different people right now. And he was like a solar eclipse where she's supposed to get the spotlight, and he got in the way. I when I saw him without a shirt on, my first thought was like, "That's going to be the best man at Taylor Swift's wedding." And don't you forget it, this guy. Oh, I, you know what? And I'll say, you know, shameless plug here, but the documentary on him on Amazon Prime really well done. If you get a chance, watch that. Really well done. Where's your documentary? Come on, I need to see it. <laughs> Where is it? Where did you? Well, you need to have a career. You need to have a following. You need to have. You know, you need to at least get in the silver circle for journalism, you know, before <laughs> you documentary need. comes out. We're here, Luke Andrew. So, Let's go. All right. Detroit. W- what happened in that second half? Hey, you you got there because you take risks. I'm not saying you lost the game because you take risks, but it didn't help. But San Francisco, they've been here before. They haven't gotten over the hump except for the one time. Championship DNA, man. It matters. You know, they were able to turn it on. They were able to get stops. I thought Detroit went away from the run game a little bit. They were able to lean into it for a majority of that game. And then, you know, they got stuffed a couple times, and they just didn't go back to it at all. 
we can talk about the fourth down risks and everything. I get it. That's why they were there. I would have taken the points. You know, it's always a discussion about, you know, when you go for it on fourth down, it's just the act of going for it the right call or not, regardless of the outcome. You know, is it the right situation to go for that? And a lot of this, obviously, we have this influx of analytics that tells us yes or no. Most of it's just subjective, whether you agree or not. I thought in a situation like that, where San Francisco was scoring at such a rate in that second half, specifically the third quarter, I understand you wanted to be aggressive, but I think you just needed to take points where you could get them because you didn't know where that game was going to go. You know, they settled for three at the end of the half, and Dan Campbell had, you know, said he had wrestled with that decision. I thought it was the right decision there. I thought there was a couple decisions where they went for it on fourth down where it was correct to go for it. I thought they should have kicked it in that regard, but look, that's the risk you take. It's called a risk. You know, you're not, you don't get another chance to do it. And look, San Francisco capitalized on those opportunities. Brock Purdy was fantastic. It was a really well-played game. I thought on both sides, specifically adjustment-wise and game plans, I thought it was a really well-coached game. It just came down to here and there, a couple of decisions, and then Brock Purdy improvising when he had to. And look, there were some drops by Josh Reynolds. There were some pressures by Eric Armstead that knocked Jared Goff off spots on those key downs. I I thought it was a really just well-played game all around. San Francisco just got it done. They were at home. Maybe it's a different story if that game's at Detroit. There's... There is a moment there, I think Niners are up three in the fourth quarter. Goff throws it to the end zone like a rainbow throw, and Williams just drops it. I know it was a hard over the shoulder. He catches that, they take the lead. It's why, in the moment we're talking about it, if you're a fan of these franchises, you're going to talk about this for the next 30 years, Luke. These games, I mean, you covered the Falcons. They still probably talk about 28-3 to every single time. It's just the worst. I want to ask you that. Well, they don't. Oh, they, go don't, on. they don't like it when you talk to, <laughs> to three. I you know. know when you, whenever, whenever there's a joke, and this, this is this is true, and I, I get it. You know that, that's what our franchise has been branded as for the last seven years. You know, twenty-eight to three. That's what everyone yes. talks about. And if there's ever a mention of it, 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 it's not even met with an eye roll anymore. It's met with a, "What are you doing?" Like it's not funny. It's like going to a UCF fan, which I actually think is funny, and saying national champs and, and jest. You know, yeah. it's one of those things where people are like, why, why are you doing it? Stop. Stop. Whatever. Well, you know, that's that's what your franchise becomes. You know, I don't think Detroit is a laughing stock by any means now. I mean, we saw, you know, what could have been. You know, they could have still been if they, you know, struggled these last couple years and didn't have a turnaround. We're playing that Dan Campbell knee bite, biting kneecaps, you know, mm-hmm. press conference over and over again. But... You know, they were able to right the ship. They got the right guy for the job. We'll see how they adjust when Ben Johnson likely takes, you know, a head coaching job. And, you know, that's a big part what's been tied to their success. But some of these moments, man, man, you get defined by them if you don't figure it out. You're absolutely right. Well, on with this, you're there in Atlanta. You covered the Falcons this whole season. They could have had Belichick. They don't hire him. They go Raheem Morris. What are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. I think you can separate it. With Belichick, you knew what you were going to sign up for. You knew you were going to be handing over all control to him, which means not just game plans, which does not mean staff, which means all personnel, which means all 
that's what they were going to have to sign off on. And his track record, he's the greatest coach of all time. He is. His track record without Tom Brady, not being able to pivot off it, going into a situation which has a top 12 defense in the league, really good playmakers on that side of the ball. Offensively, they're, they have better skill by far in Atlanta than they did in New England. They don't have the quarterback. And who knows, you know, if Bill brings in Josh McDaniels, not Patricia, you know, whoever, if it works. You know, I, I'm not – I just didn't – I would have understood the move. You know, it was someone that Arthur Blank holds in high regard. It was obviously someone who has a great track record. I don't think Atlanta's dysfunctional by any means. Under Arthur Smith, I don't think that was the case. I just think they couldn't finish, um, didn't have great quarterback play. But what you're saying is you're going to bring in a guy that has clearly shown the last four years he has not changed with the times. He is not modern. He is not progressive. I think Bill Belichick is a phenomenal coach. I think he would have brought great structure, great discipline, great everything to that organization. You can get that from some other guys, too. And you can also get guys that are going to be able to bring in an identity that probably fits better that is more up-to-date. And look, the, the lifespan of an NFL coach right now, you know, everyone got kind of spooked. Bill Belichick, who oh, he's 71, 72 years old. He's only got two or three years left in him. They just fired a coach that was only there for three years that was in his early 40s. So these lifespans of coaches, it doesn't have to be you go out and find a Mike Tomlin, an Andy Reid, a John Harbaugh, who's going to be there for a decade plus. You can win in short spurts. And, you know, the Eagles moved off Doug Peterson pretty quickly after winning the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, they went with Raheem Morris. I understood why they did it. Uh, but I also understood why they didn't go with Belichick. And I think it was the right move not to go down that road, specifically to Bill Belichick. You covered the team all season. I know you're doing the road games, which is cool. Where was the coolest place you went? Was it across the pond? Like, I didn't you go to England? Is that right? I did. I did get to go to London to cover the Jaguars-Falcons game. Unbelievable experience. First time ever in Europe. Um, Just just unbelievable. We got, you know, the the travel center the first day was a little bit bit tough because you got no sleep, and then you had to go straight to practice and cover everything and turn a bunch of stories. Then on Saturday was our, all right, let's go explore the city. Let's go do what we got to do. And that, that was a blast, seeing London. Uh, there was a guy that I had worked with that had been there before when the Falcons were there a couple years prior. And shows around. Uh, it's an awesome city. Loved it. The atmosphere at Wembley Stadium was incredible. Um, highly recommend that area. Highly recommend going there. Just, just something that you know I'll, I'll cherish for the rest of my life. But if, and you might laugh at me at this part. What? As much as I enjoy that trip, my favorite place to go during this season, Soldier Field. It was unbelievable. In, in it was the a snow. snow game. Yeah. It was a snow game. It was, you know, I loved it being, you know, a cold weather guy, but hadn't ever shot a snow game, played in a snow game, anything like that. Amazing. And then when you're pulling up to Soldier Field, you know, you're going down and you see the pillars. You're like, oh, man, this is cool. This looks like you're playing on Mount Olympus. And just the overall atmosphere. Uh, just the way that game went, how that crowd was, unbelievable experience. Love the city of Chicago. Just that, that to me was my favorite trip. 
Were you on the sideline for that game? I was on the sideline, did some reporting, uh, you know, did cool. the locker room and everything like that. So, um, you know, I have the opportunity a lot of times to be in the press box for a lot of these games, you know, specifically at home. There were times where it was, hey, could you shoot the game? Sure. I like, I like stepping up and doing that. I was chomping at the bit to shoot the snow game. I thought it was the coolest experience ever. And it was perfect. Chicago fans were incredible. That was a game that solidified Justin Fields is apparently going to be your quarterback. Move. I don't know. So, I, uh, you know, which I'm sure you have thoughts on. You know, you know what's cool about it is, you know, you and me have covered a lot of high, uh, like high school and and college football, dude. You're on the yeah. sideline for an NFL game. It's a whole other level. You're like, oh man, like these guys are flying around. I, that must have been so cool. That must have been It was. One of the coolest things, and then, you know, throughout this year, not only was covering the Falcons, but then was covering Georgia for another great run. Uh, they were the best team in the country. I know Michigan won the national title. Georgia was the best team in the country. They are so impressive in person. And, again, being on the sideline for a lot of those games, the speed, the everything that they play with, how good that team was, they are, they are loaded with NFL guys. So I got a little bit spoiled this year in terms of being up close to some really great football. Dude, I've been to that, Wim- uh, what is it, Wembley Stadium. Wembley Stadium. I yeah. was thinking, well, I've been to Wimbledon, which is awesome, too. I did that as a trip. Yeah. That that Wembley Stadium is gigantic. like Massive. And it's, it's kind of, for our listeners, it's like, it's kind of far outside of the city limits. It's kind of out there, and it's like... It's big. I I went. I toured the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium where they also play NFL. Yeah. That thing's gigantic as well, and it's awesome. It, it's huge and did not get a chance to go see that. But, you know, going into Wembley, you know, we were right by We were in Wembley Park, and you kind of just walk up to it. It's kind of nondescript, and then boom, it's, they have the giant arch, and you're like, wow, this, this is it. You know, I, I thought which was one of the most amazing things that I've ever seen in covering sports, you know, for a decade plus now. Um, and I don't want this to be misconstrued in any way, but, yeah. you know, they go, they play the national anthem, you know, people are kind of singing it, whatever, like, like normal sporting event. When they played God Save the Queen, uh-huh. it echoed throughout the whole stadium. <laughs> yes. Not a, every single person in there was singing it. And it was it was one of the most like breathtaking things I, I've ever I'll always, witnessed. Just so amazing. I'll always remember Luke. The first time I went there, it looks like you're in a U.S. city, and then it's a Twilight yeah. Zone episode because when you first start walking around and those cars are driving to the other side of the road, you're like, "What is? Oh this? my god! You're gonna you're freaking out." <laughs> it's so crazy, and you're right. Then you see the cash, the currency, and it had the queen on it. And you're like, what is this? What's going on here? And I like, yeah. I start thinking, these people don't celebrate Thanksgiving. That was my other thought. No. Right away. No, they don't. They don't. And they, what was probably my favorite part of the whole trip was first night we get there, working all day, probably a 12, 14 hour day. We don't go to dinner until like nine o'clock, maybe. Yeah. Local time. And eat dinner. Had a couple pints, and one of the guys I was working with, we decided, hey, let's go, you know, have another one, go go to a local bar, whatever. And 
because they were closing the restaurant. They were doing last call at like 1030. This is on a Friday night. We're like, what's the deal here? So we asked one of the waitresses at this pub that we were at, you know, is there another place here locally that stays open a little bit later? We'd like to get another drink. There was one bar, one bar in the Wembley area that was open till like one in the morning. That was it. And it was called Stadium Sports Bar. And they were like, this is the dive of London. Like, this is, you're like, you're going to see, like, the worst of London if you go here. Nice. We're like, well, we're going. Yeah. <laughs> so we go there, and this is my favorite thing that I've ever seen. We get uh, an authentic British bar matron. Just had the accent, was tough as nails. Yes, it was great. Another couple had come in. They were from. They were actually from Apopka, and they were Jags fans. So small world. Oh, that's cool. And the yeah, and the woman, you know, the bartender comes up and what can I get you? And she said, "I'll do an old fashioned." And the bartender looks at her and she goes, "No, you won't." And she was like, oh, do you, do you have bourbon? Yeah. Do, do you have the stuff to make? I'm, you're going to have a Jack and Coke. And I can't do the accent well, <laughs> but just saying it to this poor woman. You're ready. Like, you're going to have a Jack and Coke, love. You're going to love it. There you go. I was, I was howling. All right, you're I, ready. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. You're, all right, you're, you're ready now. So you have to start in London. Then you can open it up because I've been to Amsterdam and Dublin and oh, Paris. Yeah. You've done it all. Oh, you, man. You, you, you Look, love that. Dublin Dublin was, and I'm on record as saying this, this is the Irish. Dublin was the Super Bowl of drinking, okay? Where oh, I bet. He's like, you go, you go in these bars, you can't be like, all right, give me a Pinot Grigio. Oh, no. You're getting whiskey no. or you're getting beer. And it was like, oh, it was so awesome. I loved it. Oh, that had to be that had to be incredible. So, of the places that you, where do you want to go to next that you haven't been in Europe? By the way, we're with Luke uh, Luke Hendrick. I forgot we were on the air five oh, minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, how's everyone yeah, doing? And I, I'm going long, but I'll, with you, I haven't talked to you in a long time, and we'll go to break here in a second. So, this is a tough question. Um, I want to go to somewhere new. It's, there's that feeling, like how you were in London. There's that that new car smell. It's the best feeling. Yep. You're, you're like, where the hell am I? What is this? Um, Amsterdam was one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to in my life. And it was like Old Testament Sodom and Gomorrah. You couldn't believe it was real, yeah. some of this stuff. Like, it was amazing. Um, I like the feeling of in December, I was in Paris, France. I met up with oh, this man. one. Okay, so this is for our listeners. I don't care. I was with... This one woman I know, she was a bartender. Yeah. I go to this bar. Yeah. Go to this bar she's working at. All the guys are in there smoking cigarettes because the French don't care. They're just smoking. They didn't get the memo like the rest of us. They, they don't care. So they're smoking and yelling, and they're watching PSG in the and the Champions League, right? And we're like talking, and and it was funny. My friend Lux, she's like Mark Moses. It's you. She's like, I follow you on Instagram. And she goes, Luke, she goes, everyone here who works here, we all follow your stuff. I'm like, wow, no I'm international Mark Moses. And don't you forget. So they thought you were like, they thought you were like Scott Van Pelt. <laughs> With hair. Oh, man. You were the guy. You were the guy. 
Luke Hendrick, my man, thanks for your help and have a great day. All right. Hey, I appreciate it as always, but thank you. All right, good stuff.